0: everyone, welcome to Dishing With Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi everyone. Well Mara, it may be March, but the shows aren't slowing down with any of their storytelling. On General Hospital, Jocelyn and Cameron's sex tape will go public. Daisy's Gabby and Jake will split, thanks to some manipulation from Devilish Johnny. Bold and beautiful Sheila will come clean to Thomas about her dastardly New Year's Eve deeds. And Jack will make a shocking discovery about chemo on Young and the Restless. So that story will include Genoa City newcomer Kelsey Wang as Allie, who may be familiar to GH fans as Daisy. Uh, Now, Kelsey tells us that when she first moved to the United States from Singapore, she watched Soaps to learn English, which is why getting this role is a full circle moment for her. She also says that watching Y&R was how she discovered her love for acting. So this definitely ranks as a dream job come true. Let me tell you a similar story that I heard recently. Lydia Look, who plays Selena Wu on General Hospital, is also a Singapore native, and her father is a doctor and strongly disapproved of her becoming an actress. He considered it a very lowly profession. But in the 1980s, guess what was hugely popular in Singapore? General Hospital. And he was a fan. And he once told her while discouraging her from becoming an actress, that the only legitimate actors were the ones on General Hospital. So she had her own totally full circle moment there. And she shared that story with Frank Valentini, the executive producer. And he was like, wow, that's amazing this was meant to be. Uh, Now, speaking of GH, there is uh, some casting news to report there. Sean Blakemore, the daytime Emmy winner who returned to the canvas last year as Sean, will be ending his run. He explained on Twitter that it was his decision. His final show has not aired yet, so there's a bit more Sean to come. This past week, the show introduced its new Jordan, Tanisha Harper, who I had the pleasure of speaking with. And my favorite thing that I learned from her is that she was a huge Passions fan in college. So she is super psyched to be working with Brooke Kerr, who plays Portia, and was Whitney on Passions. And finally, Valentin fans have been wondering what is up with his reduced on-screen presence, and James Patrick Stewart, his portrayer, tweeted out the answer, which is that he has been away from Port Charles, shooting a new series for Disney+, Plus, but he assured viewers that he will be back to work at the GH studio later this month. Well, that's very good news indeed. Um, now, in the new issue, we have a great catching up piece with Jason George, who got his big break as Michael Bourne on Sunset Beach, but has really made a name for himself in the primetime world, especially on the Shonda Rhyme shows, which I watch. So he's currently headlining Station 19, but also crossing over to the OG show Grey's Anatomy, where he got his start there. Now, on a personal note, I really can't say enough good things about him. Uh, Jason is one of those actors who always remembers me, which is kind of sad that I even have to praise is that, but You know, if you've done the job as long as I have, that hasn't always been the case. Um, But he was always so cooperative and kind, and it just makes me so happy that he's done so well for himself. Like, I love when good people, I love when good things happen to good people. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a special section in the new issue as well. This one is about recasts. So I think I've made myself pretty clear on that point, but I will say it again. I am so over recasts. Uh, Just create a new character. Um, But I can't deny that there have been some super successful recasts over the years, and then, of course, some not-so-successful ones. But in general, I just feel like it's a thing of the past. I mean, it depends on the situation, I think. Uh, I appreciate when a recast is a glow-up. There are many cases in soap opera history where a character has, like, really come to life via a recast. And often, a recast is seamless enough that... I can get behind the decision to keep a character going with a new actor. Wally Kurth, who assumed the role of Ned on GH from Kurt McKinney is a good example of that. Like, Ned's a quarter main. He's Tracy's son. So the character just has a lot of inherent value to the canvas. But I think, you know, the more popular the star being recast is, the harder it is to recast. And when those kind of high profile recasts fail, they fail on a bigger scale. And I do think that sometimes it feels like fans consider characters to be a little more expendable than the powers that be do. And that it wouldn't be the end of the world uh, if an actor's departure signaled the end of a character's run as opposed to like triggering an automatic recast. Especially uh, if a character has cycled through like a whole slew of portrayals. Like remember all the Kevins on One Life to Live? Oh, absolutely. But that's sort of proving my point. You know, recasts worked for a really long time, I feel like back in the day, but the moment has passed in 2022, according to me, Um, (laughs) for big roles. You know, for smaller roles, sure, I get it, but there are just some actors and characters who I feel are truly irreplaceable. You know, the recent one that comes to mind for me is Jason on General Hospital, nothing at all against Billy Miller, who I think is a truly fantastic talent, but Jason is Steve Burton. Like, end of story for me. He is too big a name to replace. And in my opinion, it also kind of proved my point that Steve ultimately reclaimed the role, you know? Yeah, I don't disagree with that. You know, I personally don't think that Jason was needed on the canvas. I wish Billy, who was ultimately given the role of Drew when Steve returned, had gotten the chance to create Drew from the beginning. But, you know, I think the last really big uh, recast we've seen is BB hiring. Krista Allen is Taylor, and I think that fits the bill for a justifiable recast insofar as Taylor's absence really did leave a big hole, and the original portrayer wasn't available. But if that criteria isn't met, don't recast, I say. Okay, well, we are in agreement. Well, there's only one actor who has played our guest today. It's George Del Hoyo, who got his start as Orpheus back in the 80s, but is still menacing Salem today. So let's get him on the line and see how it's all going. Hi, George.
1: Hello, Stephanie. How are you?
0: Good. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to see you.
0: Me too. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Pleasure. Great
0: pleasure. So we're going to get to know a lot about you. And you and I have only spoken, I think, once or twice on the phone. I don't actually know that much about your early life. I know you were born in Uruguay, but I don't know how you wound up in the States. So tell us that story, please.
1: Well, my parents took me by my tiny little hands, my little almost three-year-old hands, and brought me here with my brother. And my dad uh, immigrated here to he, – he was a uh, high-precision machinist and uh, a lathe operator and uh, ended up doing a lot of stuff for the p- space program and uh, for NASA and uh, worked on the Apollo project and Gemini. And he uh, like came here and brought us and uh, – and that's that's how it came. That's how it started, yeah. Where did you settle here? We settled in Utah, in Salt Lake City. Um, I grew up there, went to school there, obviously, uh, grade school, high school, and went to the University of Utah, started doing theater in uh, in high school, actually, yeah, well, actually even predates high school, probably towards the end of my uh, junior high, and uh Oh, what was grade school, then we went to the eighth grade, and um, and uh, just took a, well, I just fell in love with it. I just felt like it was the place where I was comfortable. Oddly enough, I, I could tell that other people were not comfortable on stage, and I, I felt like safe, uh, which was an, an odd thing to feel as a, such a young person. And then uh, I, mean, I got a scholarship, to the University of Utah, full-paid scholarship, like an athletic scholarship, for, for acting. And so I did that. And uh, about two years into it, I decided that I was restless and wanted to just, wanted to go out and work. i I done a lot of stuff in my first couple of years of college and uh, sort of professionally as well, semi-professionally, meaning Meaning, you know, getting a little bit of money outside of college. Plus, uh, I I was even getting a little stipend in college for my work. I mean, I was all all, very fortunate and and very uh, lucky to have had all that. And then, so I left uh, prematurely, some might say, but I felt driven to go to find my my way. And so I went to New York. Um, I went to New York for obvious reasons. I wanted to be in the theater more than anything, and that's what I knew to the degree that I knew it. And um, when I got there, I sold my car. I had a, a, what was a Datsun then? Now it's via Toyota, no, uh, no, via Nissan. Nissan, yeah, so I had a Datsun 1200, which I loved. But I uh, sold it, got a one-way ticket, had maybe $800 left, went to Queens, to Astoria, and stayed there for the first year I knew somebody who had an apartment that had an extra room and they said yeah you know you could you could crash here for a while Stay, ended up staying about a year year and a half maybe and uh and eventually I moved into Manhattan but I uh you know I got a job as a as a uh so now I'm 20 and I got a job as a like a bouncer at a like an east side club during the whole disco era you know it was a place called Adam's Apple it was on like I don't know if you, do you remember I that? I know
0: it, I know it, okay. Yeah. Okay,
1: so I'm there, I'm one of the guys there going, hey, you, yes, you, no, whatever, that kind of nonsense. And, what was uh, your
0: criteria?
1: Um, well, it was the whatever they told me, I mean, you know, there's always a, 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 a paucity of women, so they want you to allow more women in, which of course draws more men, and uh, so there was that, um, yeah. I tried to be, you know, fair and whatever I, did, to the degree that I could. But I was just doing whatever they they told me to do. You know, we need more more women or whatever or that kind of thing. But it was, uh, you know, it was it seemed pretty pretty good. Nobody was complaining about anything. But um, I, I enjoyed that. I did that for a few months because I was also auditioning for things, and I um, I auditioned for Greece uh, over and over again, like ugh, so many times for the the. the replacement of the lead Danny Zuko in it I never got it it was for you know uh, touring companies and and also the, the Broadway company which of course the show ran for for ages but I kept getting called back to go and I uh, I mean I think I got that audition in my first week there but I because I met a, an accompanist for the auditions who said oh you need to come you know go audition for Greece I went sure okay so that's kind of how I started getting out on auditions and and in that audition I met a, a, a young actor who we just hit it, hit it off, and, I, and I'm ashamed to say I can't remember his name because he was a pretty pivotal, really. You know, people are pivotal in your life, and this this particular young actor, I can't remember him. I didn't see him really ever again. I don't know what happened to him, but he was also auditioning, and he told me about this play off-Broadway called El Grande de Coca-Cola, which was a – it ran for like, I don't know, two and a half, three years. It was a comedy it was a farce, it was very funny, it was like a takeoff on um, variety shows, and, but it took place in Honduras and it was all made up, all the acts were made up, it was just this guy's family putting on acts, you know, and so it was very funny, uh, crazy, but really, really funny. And uh, he said, gosh, he, we, we just hit it off, we just were making each other laugh, you know, probably out of nerves or whatever, backstage or in the green room where we, we were waiting, I think it was down below, the, 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 in the bowels of the theater, the Royale Theater where Greece played forever. Anyway, we're down there and we're making each other laugh and jokes and imitations and all this crazy stuff. I was pretty, I was pretty on in those days in terms of just trying to be funny all the time, believe it or not, since Orpheus is not known for his sort of crazy humor, although he is pretty funny. Um, I, uh, so anyway, so, so I, he just took a liking to me and he said, Hey, you got to give me your picture because I, you know, i there's was a show that I i think he was a, uh, he had some connection with it. I don't remember, but he—but—but I said, yeah, sure. I didn't think anything of it. You know, you give somebody your picture, you don't think anything of it with your resume. And so a couple months went by and I got a call from the stage manager. Say, hey, I got your picture here. You want to come in and audition? I go, what? What is this? Oh, wow. Is that that thing? Okay, sure. You know, so I remember going over there and uh, one morning, early morning after a, after, you know, closing down the, the Adam's apple back then it was like he used to close at four in the morning and so I remember getting up and going over there and uh, and auditioning and it just went well and he just really took to me the guy gave me a, he was a stage manager of the show and he, he was directing it in Philadelphia so he said I want you to be in Philadelphia the company in Philadelphia I said sure wow really incredible I mean I was just like blown away it was like my first thing and it like I was in New York maybe six uh, five, six months. And uh, so I said, yeah, so I went to Philadelphia, did that. It was supposed to run six weeks. It ended up running four months, maybe four months. The guy producing the Philadelphia company was going to open it in L.A. He became a sort of big sort of producer on Broadway. But anyway, he said, I want to take this company to, to, to L.A. And I said, wow, wow, What this is happening so fast. This is incredible. I'm going to go to L.A. I'm t- I think by now, I, I think I turned 21 as I was doing this in Philadelphia. I turned 21 years old. I'm going to go to LA, and we're going to do the show, and I'm like, this is a great part, and who knows what's going to happen? So, you know, you see all these these fantasies and dreams, and and so, I, uh, at the last minute, the people in New York said, no, hold on a second. Wait, wait, wait. LA's a big market, and we will we'll let you do it, but we get to have say in who's in it, and We don't know this guy and so they came down to philadelphia and they were great they were very nice people it was ron house was one of the original producers and alan sherman and anyway they they were very nice and they thought they were very complimentary very kind but they said you know we got this other idea of another cast that had already done it in new york and it was ron silver and a bunch of other people and so he played the part and came out and i was incredibly disappointed but he he came out here and had a great career unfortunately he died rather young but you probably know uh him you know ron silver and he uh, he had a remarkable career and uh and that's kind of how he started that's how he started here and and i didn't come and it was i was heartbroken but what was interesting is my champion, the guy who put me in the Philadelphia company said, you know what, the guy in New York is leaving, take over there. I said, wow, okay. So I went to New York and did it there for a while. And that's how, that's how I got going.
0: So then, that was your Broadway debut, and you Correct. did do the national touring uh, show and company of, of that, so that had to have been very exciting, and I noticed that uh, then probably relatively unknown, John Goodman was your castmate in that show, uh, but being on Broadway, that had to have been very excited. What stands out to you about uh, that?
1: So many things. So, after El Grande, I stayed in New York, and kept auditioning, and I got uh, The Robber Bridegroom. Robert Bridegroom was, yes, a Broadway-bound uh, bluegrass musical starring Barry Bostwick, who won the Tony for that. And uh, so, ironically, the original Danny Zuko in Greece, Barry Bostwick. So I was asked to be in the company and to understudy Barry Bostwick. So I said, wow, that's cool, that's very cool. So now I'm still, I think I'm just, I was 21, yeah. Anyway, so I we did that. We came out to LA. We did a three-month run at the Mark Taper Forum, and it was a big success. And uh, we went back to New York in that fall, about to turn twenty-two now, and uh, or maybe I was twenty-two. Anyway, so anyway, we're about to open, and we do the last performance before we begin previews, and and uh, the last number, the last musical number, the big finale. Barry, the character Barry, uh, Jamie Lockhart, is swinging across the stage back and forth. We're all singing and he's swinging on a rope and singing as well, going back and forth and huge finale. The house is packed with nothing but actors because it was a it was a final, final dress before previews. And it was a Sunday night. Most of the houses are now dark in New York on Broadway. they're, They're off the actors. So they got come you know come see the show so we packed it with actors and actors are great fun to perform for because they're very generous and they get very worked up we do i should say and are very supportive of our fellow actors so they were enjoying ourselves themselves we were enjoying ourselves we were all really animated amped up and thrilled and and he's swinging back and forth and we're singing and i'm upstage on a box on a big wooden box singing and i hear the rope snap and he falls behind me and the audience gasps and i turn down and i see barry writhing in pain and his his uh, wrist his arm is clearly broken and he's in terrible pain And they bring down You know, they bring up the house lights and somebody makes an announcement. It's obvious, you know, we're going to stop. And um, everybody silently files out of the theater. And when they come and get buried, they take him to the hospital. He's had a major fracture in his wrist. And, uh, you know, we're obviously quite stunned. and, And so we come back the next day to just see what's gonna happen and, and we're told to just start rehearsing. I'm the understudy, I have to step into the role to begin the rehearsal, so we do, and then, and then, as, then during this rehearsal, the director comes down the aisle and the producers are all there, everybody, and he says, you know what, we are going to begin, we're gonna go ahead with our previews and George is gonna, gonna do it. Wow so i go wow now i had rehearsed a couple times when we were in la i had a couple of understudy rehearsals with the understudies and you know no costumes or anything or just the understudies and so i was you know i tried to be up on it be familiar with it but you know it's not like you're ready or feel ready or so i was incredibly incredibly scared incredibly frightened and just so nervous and um and I mean, in fact, probably the most, the most anxious I've ever, ever been uh, uh, in terms of stage fright, uh, to be thrust out onto a Broadway stage at 22 now and just to, in the lead. And, and I just, I, this is too much. It was like a bad dream. It, I, I wanted to grab the hands on the clock on the wall and just grab them with my hands and stop them from moving. Don't, don't move forward, please. I can't, I can't do this, you know, and so uh so anyway so my dad called me uh and he he, i didn't want to talk to my dad because he just you know he wouldn't understand i love my dad he's now gone but i I, of course i love i mean i loved him deeply but i thought he doesn't understand he's a machinist and he's a great guy but he doesn't know what i do or how i do it or what i'm feeling he can't possibly know you know at least that's what i thought so i didn't want to talk to him i didn't want to talk to anybody nobody nobody talked to me i just want to be living in my fear and panic and so I don't know why I got on the phone. I think my, my, my girlfriend at the time had said, well, he wants to talk to you. And I go, okay. Hi dad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, everything's good. You yeah. well, you don't seem okay. Well, okay. This is happening. I got to do this thing and I can't really explain it. And, and I'm just really, really nervous. Cause I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I, I really have to go. And so my dad said something that cut through everything. He paused and he said, well, Just remember who you are and where you came from and you'll be fine. And I, that's kind of like, stop. I went, wow, that really hit me right, right in my heart. I just, wow, that just made all the sense in the world. Everything came into focus for me and I didn't feel alone and I didn't feel frightened. And I thought, I'm not alone. I have this whole family and history and people that have come before me and I'm okay. I stand on the shoulders of many and I'm, yeah, so Okay. And I gotta tell you, I'm being honest. I that just it's like the weather changed. I went, okay, okay, I'm gonna do this. And I felt empowered and inc- incredibly affirmed and encouraged and loved, of course. And um and I did it. So and it went pretty well. I mean it went, they tell me well, I can't, you know. <laughs> I uh there's all kinds of little stories about it, which I won't bore you with. Or it's, it's, it's quite a tale and has a lot of details. And it was impactful, as you can imagine, the experience to me on every, every level, professionally, just personally, emotionally, mentally, everything. And, uh, so we got through the week of previews and finally they got Barry to come back and he was in a sling and of course they cut the rope bit, but he did it. He opened it and, 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 and we did well and we ran for a while. And he, like I say, he won the Tony, he went on to great success because of it, because of that role. And, but, um, but anyway, that was my Broadway debut, a a trial by fire.
0: Sounded it. My gosh. Well, eventually you did make your way to the West Coast and started doing a slew of primetime work. So one credit I'm curious about is from 1980 when you played Dr. Spencer in two episodes of Galactica 1980, a spinoff of the original Battlestar Galactica. Uh, so what do you remember about that experience?
1: Galactica 1980, yes, yes. That's 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 an obscure, interesting credit for you to draw out of there, Stephanie. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Um, yeah, that was that was fun. I remember that. the The most vivid thing I remember about that particular job, that guest role, is that I um, is that I was working uh, with a director uh, who was an actor, uh, Vince Edwards, and he ha- was famous for playing Dr. Ben Casey many years ago. And at this point he was directing, and he was a nice guy, I, I, I enjoyed him, but he would get behind, you know, he would get behind in terms of the schedule. And so they were always pressuring him, come on, move it, move it, you're behind. And he would get very frustrated and, and anxious, as, as, as you could understand why. And, he, um, and so they would bring new pages all the time, look, this has changed, you gotta get, these are new lines. And, and he would get frustrated with that, but we'd have to learn new lines but he was behind, so he, he I, was, I remember I was doing a scene and there was a corpse, either a, a it was either a corpse or a, a wounded person, but I kind of think it was a corpse, but at any rate, I was examining it with uh, probably a nurse or an assistant and then I, and I have things about the body and the spleen and this and that, and I'm, I'm supposed to kind of do a diagnosis of what happened and, and, uh, and he's like so anxious, Vince was, to just to get it going, Then he's got these new pages and he's going, okay, okay, just read these. I go, what are these? Just, just, just read them. I I, I don't know them. I I haven't memorized them. Just stick them on the body. Just put them right there. Just, and he would literally slap them on the body. And I go, I'm like, I'm like laughing because he goes, okay, just read that. Look down. Just read it. Roll camera. Go, go, go. Roll camera. go. And the crew's like going, "What the heck?" And they go, "Just set up a light. Set up the light. Okay, good. Go. He, he looks good. Okay, roll. Read the lines." I go, "Oh uh, yeah. I don't know. It looks like maybe, maybe he was shot. It could have been an entry wound here. I don't know." But and I'm, I'm like, I'm not, instead I'm going, "What is going on?" I'm laughing because I'm just reading pages stuck onto a corpse. And uh, so I was so rushed that it just made me laugh. And that and that's what I remember about that particular that guest that that role i I remember doing that that was the first for me where somebody sticks pages on a corpse and says
0: go (laughs) first hearing it first for me
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i can only imagine the pressure he felt but i said wow (laughs) you know
0: Let's get into the mid 1980s when everything changed for us soap fans when you were cast on Days as Orpheus. Had you ever tried out for a soap before Days of Our Lives came a call? Nope. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I
1: did. I did. I did actually i did in uh before that i had tried out for actually four years prior to that i tried out for general hospital and uh i did well i they were very interested and uh very positive and they there was talk of playing this character who was a he was a clairvoyant, like somebody who could see things. And anyway, I don't, I don't remember the character's name. I, they did The character did appear. And I remember the actor who played it, although I don't remember his name. Tall, dark, handsome guy. And he uh, did it for a while. But, but the thing is, I, before actually saying yes or, or, or having that move forward, I got this, this play in San Diego and uh, during Shakespeare, uh, As You Like It, And I, as I've often done, I just chose what I thought was the harder thing for me or the more challenging, the thing I perceived as being more challenging, the thing I really wanted to do is to do Shakespeare professionally. Um, And we were opening a new theater in San Diego uh, that they just built. It was the inaugural production. It was a great part, Orlando, and so I said, "You know what? I'm. I think I'm going to do that for obviously a lot less money." But so my life, again, my love of the theater, and it, it just, it just the trajectory of my life. You know, every choice we make is a is a trajectory choice, large and small. Um, so I made that choice, and I met my wife, who was playing, uh, who who was also in it, and. Um, playing Rosalind and, uh, and so that obviously changed my life and I have two daughters because of that so so yes I did audition for for General Hospital and, um, and that's the choice I made at the time and then I auditioned for this I had just had my first daughter was born Alexandra and, um, you know, you're a young actor and you're married and you have a kid and you go, oh man, I, now I gotta, I gotta make some money. And I, and, uh, and there's something great about children when you have a child. I don't know. It's a blessing, obviously on many levels, but I think that they bring stuff to help you like, okay, you need this because <laughs> you need to get to work or something. So like literally... She was born and the next day or two days later, I got a, a great role on Hunter, the show Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I got wow, I just said a kid and I got a part, this is great, you know? And then after I did that, I got Orpheus, and I thought, "Wow, I should have more kids." <laughs> <laughs> more parts, um, but uh, but anyway, I did have more kids. But uh, <laughs> but I but I but I did I did this, and I had such a good time. I, I loved the cast. I loved Drake and 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 Deirdre and uh, and Stephen and, and Mary Beth and all 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 these wonderful people that are still there that are that are that have now. I mean, we sort of lost touch for 30 years almost. I was gone doing other things, obviously. And then when I came back about four or five years ago, I it was like they were so incredibly gracious and kind and welcoming. And we just kind of picked up where we left off. And uh, But I, I did it originally for maybe six or seven or eight months. I don't remember how many months, but it was a while. It was an extended storyline, an interesting storyline. And we went to Stockholm and we were chasing down billions of dollars and And I had, you know, it was, it was, I was pretty dastardly, but, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and they were great. And, and, uh, and now Steven and I have become really good friends and have a lot of communication. uh, You know, it just, we just kind of revived our friendship and it sort of has blossomed.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, what did you think the role was going to be when you first went into it? Did you know it was six months? Did you know the end of it?
1: Did not, know they were writing it as they went. I mean, they might have had a general idea, but, you know, they kind of have to wait to see how you do and how you, how you play the part and maybe how audiences react and and just, you know, how you interact. And, and if you can do it, I guess. I mean, there's a lot of variables. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I didn't have any idea how it worked. I did not know, I mean, I obviously knew on some level the speed, but you don't know the speed until you're actually doing it, you know. You go, wow, okay. And now it's even faster, um, believe it or not. So, so you know, the thing about soaps, which is so great, at least for, for me and I think for anybody who comes from theater, is it's just basically a play. You know, I mean, you're, it, it's almost like you're on stage. It's a, a, like a proscenium you know, the cameras are out front, that's the audience, you move, you cross, you turn, they're picking up everything. You're not gonna go in and cover and shoot this and that from every angle, you're just presenting this story forward for the cameras. And so once you have that theatrical background, it doesn't feel too alien, you know, it feels, you're pretty comfortable with the concept, you
0: know? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you mentioned the word dastardly to describe Orpheus. I think that is a fair understatement. (laughs) one of my truly like earliest memories of watching soaps was Orpheus uh, being responsible for the presumed death of Marlena and dying himself. Uh, what do you remember about shooting Orpheus's infamous, albeit later revised, demise?
1: <laughs> yes, that that uh, okay. So what I remember about. Um... Orpheus's death. I remember I loved that whole island thing. I, I remember it because I liked the clothes and it was so comfortable and they had these like nice little fans going It was like breezy, you know, South Pacific winds and it was just like really cool to be there and they had these big ferns and plants everywhere. It was just, it was nice to be on those sets and uh, it just was relaxing. Felt like I was on vacation. Um, so, I remember that, but i i um and I liked working with Deirdre on the island. Those scenes were were fun to do, and she was great and uh and then um and then the death when 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 John black slash Roman Drake caught up to me finally on the island after blowing up his house and doing all this stuff, and just awful awful things I put them through him through. I, I uh, he, um, he came and he finally found me, cornered me, and there was a struggle. The gun went off. I remember I had this beautiful shirt. I went, wow, this is such a great, incredible shirt that we're getting all bloody. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I fell onto the ground and, uh, I expired. I died, and, and, and my eyes were open. Because I thought, well, you know, yeah, sure, that's how I die. I die with my eyes open. And then they go, cut, cut, cut. But what, what are you doing? I go, well, I'm dying. They go, no, yeah, I know, but you, you get your eyes open. I go, yeah, people die with their eyes open a lot of the times, you know. You go, well, that's a little weird and kind of scary and macabre. I don't know. We probably shouldn't do that. I go, hasn't anybody done that? No, but well, we don't think anybody's ever died on daytime with their eyes open. That's a little too much. Well, why don't we try it? I mean, come on. I mean, you know, let's just do it that way. Let's just try it. And they went, all right, we'll, we'll just do one. I don't remember if we did one without it, but I do remember them, you know, conceding that we could and allowing me to do it. And so, as, and it aired with me dying with my eyes open. I think it's probably, I'm sure it's online. I've seen it. And I go, and I, and I thought, yes, a first. <laughs> with his eyes open. I always like firsts, you know.
0: Yep. <laughs> Left your mark for sure. Exactly. Um, well, in 1988, you appeared on Cheers as a snobby neighbor of Frasier Cranes who hired Norm as an interior decorator. And later, wow. you had a recurring role on Frasier playing Father Mike, the host yep. of a radio show called Religion on the Line. Yep. So tell us about your experience on those two iconic sitcoms.
1: Thank you. Wow, you guys know so much. Uh, I've had the experience of people come up to me and they go, Hey, I saw you on the thing. And you know, maybe on TV land or whatever. I go, oh, I'm sorry. You have the wrong guy. No, no, you were the guy on the, the spinoff of three uh, company or whatever. They <laughs> go, ah, uh, no, I don't think so, man. Yeah. You and John Ritter and Bob, I go, what? And I go, oh, and you were the father. I go, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You know more than I do about me. How is that possible? But anyway, so thank you for your incredible research. Um, so, um, I, uh, um, so yeah I, I was cast in those uh two shows. I what I remember about Cheers and it, it's actually kind of a not because of me but it's a kind of an iconic episode Norm is at you. I mean it's like sort of in groups of great Cheers episodes and it's considered one of the better ones and so and so uh it was an incredibly funny situation you know that Norm think you know pretends to be gay so that he can be an interior decorator you know he thinks he has to so um, it's just all mistaken, you know, identification with that. And so he, it's, it's very funny, but um, I remember, what I remember about it is that uh, James Burroughs, the great James Burroughs, who was one of the primary directors of Cheers and Fraser and many other things, and, you know, uh, uh, Emmy-winning, multiple Emmy-winning, incredible director, of live comedy he um i remember he's a great guy wonderful guy and so experienced and i remember i remember i had these great laughs great laugh lines that i knew were really funny and and so we were doing them with the live audience and they'd been working all week and all of a sudden what was happening is the audience was so in love with the the regulars with ted danson and, and company that they would laugh at pretty much anything they said so if they said hello, they go, ah, oh, ha, ha, ha. You know, <laughs> wow. it's hard to time a joke if somebody's laughing at the setup or laughing at what's not the joke. You know, they're just and so I was so thrown by that. And I and the audience was laughing at everything that Ted said, and he was he was great and 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 uh, he knew what was going on too. But but I remember Jimmy Burroughs stopping and coming over to me and saying, Listen, we're gonna get through this with the audience, and when they leave, we're gonna go back and do these the jokes as you know that how they work, and we're gonna do them and you'll have the lines, and you'll time them, and it'll be great, and we'll just fix it later, but I get that you can't really deliver the proper timing, because it's not set up for it, I go, wow, that's so great that you get that, and you know that, and that you told me that, and you've relieved me of that, and, and thank you, um, so we went back and redid it, and it worked great, but but I, I remember, wow, I, the power of that kind of you know, love of an audience for characters like the ones on Cheers is they, they they're just, they're with you so much that you can, you know, they're, they're going to laugh at what, what, whatever you do. So, so I remember, I remember having to deal with that. I remember that was an interesting thing about it for me, but I loved doing it. I enjoyed it. I love the cast. And, and of course, uh, Kelsey uh, grammar, we did then several Frasiers with him as Father Mike, which I, which I thought was a hilariously funny character. And um, yeah, I I enjoyed that, too. Yeah. Both of them. Great, great shows. Great
0: series. Well, you returned to daytime in 1990 to play Rob Donnelly, biology professor on Generations, seduced by one of his students, Sam, played by Kelly Rutherford. I remember it so well. What stands out to you about being part of the original cast of that show and uh, working with Kelly?
1: I loved working with Kelly, I loved that experience. That was great fun and that came out of nowhere. That was a gift where Sally Sussman, the producer, writer, executive producer and writer of the show of Generations, they, I guess, had seen me on, as Orpheus. And, uh, and they just thought this would be an interesting casting and, and so they offered me the part and uh, I was really grateful and, and surprised, came out of nowhere. And it was, again, fun to be a first part of a, you know, there aren't a lot of launchings of new exactly. soaps, right? right yeah. So, wow, a new soap and and an and a an an interracial soap, you know, where where uh uh, uh you know the, the, there wasn't just a, a token black person in a role. It was it was pretty much fifty fifty, and, and uh, we loved the fact that it wasn't about being black or white. It was just people, you know, interacting and solving, you know, their own personal problems. It's like a soap, you know. And so uh while there was occasionally some themes would come in about the the issue of race, but it wasn't really about race. It was about people living together. And and so um I love that about it. And uh and I met such great people besides Kelly and of course the late Christoph St. John and um, and uh people that became friends and uh that are really came to care about and uh, and so that was a lot of fun um, the thing I remember about generations besides the relationships which is always what I take away from most experiences in life is relationships uh, it's always the most impactful thing pretty much about events in your life um is uh is i loved i love how it started i don't know if you remember but the opening scene was a soap scene yeah and do you remember that and yes. it, and and i remember i was think we were all thinking well everybody's gonna watch this all oh, here's a new show this is new soap generations and then they're gonna watch and go god this is kind of bad isn't it i mean it's
0: yes kinda- it was barbara rhodes who played barbara. the soap opera star character and it was you know written as, like, the worst soap scene you've ever seen. And I remember falling for it, going, yes,
1: yes, oh, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you fell for it. That's brilliant. That's great. And you're amazing. Both of you are amazing that you know so much about the stuff. It's amazing. But it, anyway, so I love the fact that, that they had this fake scene on, and everybody's watching it. went well, on pretty long. It was, like, not just, like, a one-second thing. It was, like, you know, a bit of a scene that she was doing. And... Uh, and predictable and turgid and, uh, you know, whatever. And, and, and people were like, wow, this is what they came up with? And then you pull back and it's a TV and it's the people in the show, Generations, watching this soap. And that was so cool. I thought that was so clever. I love that. And so I think you pull back and it's uh, it's Kelly watching it. And she's in bed and watching And I come out of the shower and I'm her professor. And it's this whole, you know, student prof- you know, teacher inappropriate relationship thing. Um, but I, uh, I love that. I love that about it. And I loved, I loved between um, Rob and Sam and Kelly and, and me. I, I love the dynamics of that. It was passionate. It was, it was just so driven by, of course, desire and, uh, and love and, and, uh, and a kind of obsession, obsessiveness. And uh and I just thought it was such an exciting, exciting, exciting relationship. And I and it kind of preceded some of the stuff that came later with the whole Me Too movement. But it but it was it was mutually manipulative, you know. And um, she wanted what she wanted, and obviously I wanted what I wanted. But but I also think there was love, and there was just so much chemistry and and between us, uh, I, I, we felt it, and I think people did. And uh, I just and she was very, very, very young. Very young. It was like pretty much the first thing she did. She was, I think, 20, 20, about twenty, and uh, I was in my thirties. I so I was like, yeah, in my in my thirties, and uh, and she uh, and I used to remember. I remember I used to tell my wife when I'd go to work. I'd say, "Honey, I'm gonna go. I'm going to work. I'm gonna slave over a hot twenty year old." She would laugh. I guess she would
0: laugh. <laughs> I hope that was
1: laughter. Uh, but yeah, that's that's. Uh, but she was just uh, such a fun, delightful, uh, exciting person. Uh, Kelly, I, I just um, I'm very fond of her. We, we had a great time. We got to travel together to go, you know, on junkets, and we got to know each other. She got to know my family and and, uh, and my 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 daughter, my first daughter. Uh, Alexandra and they actually went out together. She took her out to, I don't know, get ice cream or something. And they they yeah, I think she babysat one time, but she was she's great. She's just great.
0: Well, you did mention Christoph St. John. He made mm-hmm. his daytime debut on Generations as Adam Marshall. So what do you remember about Christoph that you can share? Oh,
1: I just remember what a fun, loving, kind, upbeat, generous person he was, and how whenever you saw him, it was just uh you could hear your name called from across the parking lot and his big wide smile and and his big hugs and um just uh just a really, really good kind person, a very loving person and uh when I'm really sorry that he's uh that he's not with us uh, I miss him in that regard I didn't see him often, but whenever I did, it was the same thing and and I had seen him a little more often prior to his death. I'd seen him a couple times. Uh, he had actually opened up a restaurant near me, which I'd contact him about that. And I really liked the restaurant. And uh, I saw him there. I was with my daughter and I, we went to eat there. And he was there working and cleaning up and fixing things. And we had a long, long chat, just really probably weeks before he, he, he passed. And so, um, yeah, that was shocking and, and troubling and regrettable.
0: Absolutely. Um, Well, here's an inelegant segue, but uh, once uh, you left Generations, you obviously were a very busy man, but we daytime fans did not see you again until 2016 when Orpheus's fate was reversed. And he lived to torment the people of Salem another day because it's safe to say that the call to return to days was not one you were expecting.
1: No, the call. No, 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 it wasn't you guys. It was uh, shocking again. I mean, what was interesting is I've been doing a lot of voiceover as you, as you also probably know. I mean, just a lot of it over the last many years. And uh, that's been great too. That's been another sort of chapter in my life. And I'm grateful for that. And uh so I um, I got a, I, I just decided that I wanted to get back into to acting. I said, you know what I I I want to return to some of the things that I did years ago, where I could you know because I had been exclusively uh, concentrating on voiceover, kind of kind of took over. For, for for several years, for many years for me. And so I uh decided to do that and, and I and sometimes I don't I don't know about you guys, but I, I find that in life when you when you ideate something, when you when you think about it and, and sort of dream it or it just becomes a a real strong thing in your in your head that that it tends to create a, a a momentum for it and and maybe it, it, it often happens Do you know i go wow because i remember thinking one day honestly one day i was sitting here and, and my wife and i were talking around christmas a few years ago and i she said you know, you've done so many things is there anything you you haven't done and, and other people had asked me that i go i've done practically everything i can think of other than you know the trapeze and the circus but i i i i've done so many aspects of this business and, and so I said, the one thing I've always wanted to do was a, of, of an animated full-length feature film voiceover. And they went, wow, okay. I mean, but but that's all I said, you know, and I thought, yeah, that's the one thing I've always wanted to do because that that's, looks fun to me. And honestly, within two, three months, I was cast in Rango, which was like the Academy Award winning best animated film of that year. And it was great fun to work with Gore Verbinski and, and to do that character. And I mean, that was just, and just to be a part of that. And, and I thought, how did that happen? I mean, literally I, I, I just thought of it. I, I thought, yeah, that would be so great. And then it, like within three months. So, so um, with, in terms of this, what, what, what happened is I go, I go, I kind of want to get back to doing some acting, you know? And then all of a sudden this phone call, I go, why what is it going, you know, it's just so amazing. It's, it's miraculous. There's so many, miracles in life, you know, uh, a a wonderful writer G.K. Chesterton said that the world is not wanting in in wonders, it's wanting in wonderment, you know, so we lack wonderment because we're so into our perception of things being real and technical and science science science-based we we kind of lose sight of our wonderment and so so i'm saying that there are miracles and this happened all of a sudden i want to get back into acting and the phone rings and and my agent says are you can you sit down i go no i'm not gonna sit down what 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 is it (laughs) um well days of our lives called about what for for (laughs) whom For whom? (laughs) for you i go what are you talking about They want you to come back and do Orpheus. I go, Orpheus is dead. He died with his eyes open. (laughs) (laughs) They go, yeah. She goes, yeah, but they can, they, they got, they can work around that. They've got writers working on that. I go, wow um i said you know what yes yes and yes i want to do it it sounds like great fun great to go back to working on something that i that i liked originally but also with people that i liked and and to revisit a character that i liked and and i thought what a great way to get back into it you know uh, and it's like also again kind of trial by fire because you know you get back into it but it's like you get back into it like a speeding train you know so, so I did, and I and I thought, what a great way to kind of get back into memorizing and just solving actor problems, you know, scene problems and challenges. And so, so I did, and it was just like I said before, it was just so great to go back, and it was welcoming, and and uh, and it was it was great fun. So I've been back, you know, several times since. I mean, i you know, so that's been really great that they keep calling.
0: Well what was it like to find Orpheus again, you know, twenty years after you first played him?
1: Well, the the great thing is I think, I hope, that even though I had stopped acting for a while, that I was better, that I I feel better. I feel like life makes you better, like you're just you know, you just I don't know, you're a little calmer, you have more life experience and relationship experience and and plus, you know, experience of you know, I I continue to study into watch lots of great work and, and just try to absorb all that I can. And so I think that, I think that I came back to it better. And that was fun to, to, to exercise that and, and to see, well, if I'm better, how, and how can I apply what I know and what I'm what I now am and and the the kind of person I've I've become, how do I apply that to, to this role now? Um, I've had the experience of doing roles again, but not, like 30 years apart but i've had i've had parts like a, a couple of times where i've done a musical early on in my career and then well we're not going to do this for six months we're not gonna do it for a year but we are going to come back to it and then you come back to it and i thought every single time it's better every single time it's, it's richer and more interesting and because you've gotten away you've got perspective so you come back you're different your vision is different and you're you have a fresh attack so I think that that applies to this as well, and and um, and that 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 that's been satisfying and gratifying to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what was it like to be working again with uh, you know people who had stayed at days were there for you to to torture and target yet again people like Drake and Deirdre and Stephen and Mary Bat, and then also uh, in that first. Uh, comebacks didn't get to work with people like James Reed and Paul Telepart.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Now I had not worked with either of those two gentlemen, and right. they were great fun. Uh, and I I knew James vaguely, just on by sight because we came up together and we were auditioning against one another. You know, trying to get the same parts in, in our you know generational group of male actors. So so that I knew, but I. I didn't know him to work with him and he's just wonderful what a, what a what a wonderful actor and and just uh it's a pleasure to to just be sharing time with him on the stage and uh and then and then and Paul is just a charming wonderful actor I I love working with him I still like seeing him I haven't had any scenes with him this time you know the last few times but the first time yes we had a lot cuz we were like super triple yeah, axis of evil three bad guys you know and i love that storyline i loved how we terrorized everybody and the whole we got on tv and we took over the airwaves and we you know all the lights went out everywhere and it was oh that was really and i i love busting into the, the 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 wedding you know and and i just it was just so i love that first line probably people know it but i love as an actor i love you know, coming into the wedding at gunpoint and saying, were you expecting someone else? I mean, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I mean like, like, whoa, Orpheus, what the hell? Are oh, you're back. <laughs> what are you doing at my wedding, you know? So, um, um, so that that's fun. And, and, um, I, I, I really like that. And, and working with them is great. I mean, sometimes it's a little heartbreaking because I'm so mean and unkind to them. And I really care about these people, you know, we like each other. And, uh, like I say, Stephen and I hang out. We 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 talk all the time on the phone. We see movies. We pre pre COVID, we were going to the movies all the time and having dinner because he loves film and I do too, and the history of it and everything about it. So we share lots of uh, lots of things in that regard. And, um, so, so yeah, that, 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 that's a little bit tricky sometimes. Cause I do, I do like these people very much Drake and I, you know, we go back so far, we were, we, you know, we go back to the mullet days, you know, we were, <laughs> we were around with mullets, you know, creepy little mullets and, um, yeah, no, it was cool. Um, I mean, sometimes I go, Whoa, look at that. I mean, I look at myself back in the day I go, look at all that hair. Look how black it was. Look how awesomely rich and long it was. Um, but uh but um yeah so that 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 is great fun they're wonderful people um yeah and i think that i just want to say the writing of orpheus is that sometimes i just really enjoy what they write The, the the lines the humor the wryness, the sarcasm i mean he's just so such a clever character and uh so it's not your cookie cutter bad guy he's a really kind of interesting guy i like to you know Give as much as I can to to the character as far as how driven he is because of his demons or because of his loss and his heartbreak of his of his of his wife being killed accidentally although he doesn't really acknowledge that by his then best friend uh, you know who was uh, John Black and so so anyway I uh, I really I really enjoy it I, I enjoy the cast the people and it's it's a lot of fun to to, to revisit it.
0: Well, in 2020, they brought you back again, and it was revealed that Orpheus was the father of murderous Manny Evan played by Brock Kelly. so they really gave you so much material in that stint that it scored you a daytime Emmy nomination as outstanding guest performer. So what did that mean to you?
1: It meant a lot again, one of those wonderful surprises in life uh, you don 't see coming. I go, "Wow, cool, and the funny thing is is I again, I have to credit Stephen. Um, Nickels for for, uh, for 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 my get, getting that nomination because I have never really uh, one of my faults one of my grievous faults is I've never been that great at self-promotion in terms of you know i don't know doing the business side of it you know and so i've never submitted myself for any any award like that and uh i don't know why i I guess i should have been more more conscious of such things but but he's the one who told me and the first first year he told me to do and i didn't do it he said man why didn't you do it i go i don't I didn't do it. And then, and then this this one you're talking about, he said, you know, you've got good material. You should submit it. I go, well, how do I do that? He goes, well, you do this and you edit it and you put it together and you send it in and that's how you do it. And I go, okay. And I did it and he helped me and he would look at the stuff and say, yeah, this is good. Keep that, cut this, whatever. He would ask me to look at his stuff, which I tried to give him my insight the best of my ability. But, but we worked together on it and he really inspired me. And uh, so I'm grateful to him for that. And, and when it actually came through, he said, told you. <laughs> wow, this is so cool. And and I had such a good time doing it. I mean, the, the, the awards uh, ceremony uh, and the whole bit was just fun. It was just a fun thing, you know. Um, I mean it was the COVID thing, so we had to do, you know, some adjustments last year for that, unfortunately. But um but uh but it was fun to watch it with my family and to uh you know just to have that experience.
0: I know you joked to me at the time that you were gonna ask your wife to put a red carpet in the home. Did that oh that?
1: that's right I told you that yes yes I was gonna the people said what are you gonna do with your if you win with the statue, I said, "I'm going to answer the door with it. I'm going to walk. I'm going to go shopping with it. I'm going to put it in the cart. and I go. Whoa, what's this?" <laughs> um, I didn't get to do that, but it would have been fun. Um, yes, I said, red carpets everywhere. Um, but uh, yeah, no that that's that's that would have been fun. That would have been fun. Um, but we'll see. You know, you never know. Could happen someday.
0: So we touched on uh, the fact that you uh, did make this segue into voiceover work. I think quite by accident, but it ended up uh, that you became so in demand. Uh, that you basically did not have time to continue with on-camera acting, which is incredible in and of itself. Uh, and among your many voiceover claims to fame is that you were the voice of Fox for, I think, uh, the better part of 16 years, and was the voiceover artist working on all of the seasons of the original American Idol. I think I watched every single one. So were you in the studio for that, or were you working separately, uh, lending your vocal talents?
1: Yes. No, no. I work separately. We do them on a in different site and uh, we would just, they get all the, they accumulate all the, all the film and footage and they create the spots. And then then a guy like me comes in when the spots finish. This is how promos are done. The spots are done, done, done. And they have a thing called a scratch on them, which is just another voice, usually a producer or somebody an editor puts his own temporary voice in there. So you kind of hear how it goes. And then um, you sit down and they take that other temporary voice out and leaves all these holes in it. And you literally, it goes by you and you jump in, jump out, jump in, jump out. And you have to time it perfectly and you have to get out before it comes back in. And it's just a uh, kind of a, a craft thing that you learn and uh, you get this sense of timing that be- becomes a part of you. And you can sense even you know milliseconds or or tenths of a second and um and so you yeah so it's it's kind of it's it's, it's a really exhilarating thing, I mean like probably would drive a lot of people crazy, but i I kind of like it it appeals to my sense of of perfection and puzzle making and just i I like the way things work and so I, it's, it's like you're in a, it's like you're in a fighter jet uh, cockpit, you know, you're in there and you got a boom, boom, in, out, in, out, and you're just, your adrenaline's running and, and you're just concentrating. And sometimes, of course, your mouth has to get around all the words. And I, and some of the tags are really complicated. And, and, and there are a couple, a few times where I've said to the engineers, I go, wow, I cannot imagine doing this drunk. I cannot <laughs> imagine even having one drink and trying to do this. You have to be, like, so sober and concentrated. So, so no, the spots aren't done on the site. They're done off-site in a different uh, locale, location, a completely different department. And uh, and they're a lot of fun to do. They're, they're, they're challenging but interesting. And I did – yes, I did – virtually all of the American idols. And then the last year they did it there. And then, then they went on, and did it. but, um, yeah, it was all the whole, the original season with Kelly winning, uh, Kelly Clarkson and, uh, and all of that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny cause I was just watching, uh, uh, respect with Jennifer Hudson and remembering that season did, you know, where she was one of the last four or something. And, um, so that, I loved. I loved. American Idol was uh, was one of my favorites. You vote. You decide. Yes, that's right. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Do you ever pass by the TV and hear yourself on it?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. 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 I mean, in the beginning, that was a trip, you guys. I got to tell you, I, I first, uh, the first trailer I ever did was a thing called Bitter Sugar, and it was a Cuban film, an an imported foreign film. And uh, and this was a long time ago, but I, but I remember, and I was still acting and stuff then, but I remember I did it and I kind of forgot about it. And then I, I was in a theater by myself on a rainy day in a movie house. It was like three other people in there trying to stay dry. And I was uh, watching a documentary about something called, I think it was called Microcosmos, about insects and the world of insects. But anyway, I was in there on a rainy day in Santa Monica and the trailers are coming on, and I'm sitting there, you know, watching the trailers, and then all of a sudden, this thing for Bitter Sugar comes on, and I didn't, I di- didn't register for uh, first, I thought, what's this about, you know, and then I hear this voice, and I go, wait, that voice sounds so familiar, wait, 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 wait that's me, that's, that's my voice, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm up there, and I wanted to go, hey, you guys, that, you know, that's, well, never mind, you know, nobody cares, um. <laughs> but, I, but, I, but for me, that was, I'll never forget the first time I heard my voice in a dark theater in big speakers on a trailer. I went, oh my gosh, that was such a trip. It was so thrilling. It was really, really cool. And I remember, you know, with my kids growing up, because I, I, I got to do, I don't know, probably 500 films and trailers and things over the years. And I remember, you know, I'd always rushed to the theater when I was taking my family to the movies um <clears throat> So, because I have a very funny older daughter who's very wry, and anyway, so we're we're going to the to the movies one day, and we're like rushing in traffic, gotta get there. Come on, I won't be late, you know. And 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 she's like lagging behind. Like, oh, and she's in the car complaining about, oh, we gotta get there, so dad gets to watch his little trailers. <laughs> 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 little valley girl in the back. What what do you mean little trip? What do you? You know anyway it was pretty funny it made me laugh but um but yes i usually, always like the most important thing for me at the time was watching the trailers obviously i wanted to hear how things sounded you know
0: right mm-hmm. well do you have any favorite projects that you voiced yeah
1: well uh, oddly enough american idol is is right up there i mean it was such a great show we always would watch it as a family i uh, did was able to get them tickets to some of the shows and some of the finales and some of the so that was fun uh, for them, and um, so that was that was cool because I was like into the show, and uh, um, and I did a bunch of twenty fours, which I liked. Uh, I I, mean, I did virtually all the Fox shows for many years, as, as you said, Mara. Um, and uh, for sixteen years, I mean, you got that right on the money, right on the money. Um, and then uh let's see what else did i do I, I loved rango which i mentioned i just loved that for the reasons that i gave that was really special i remember i remember going to see the the one of the screenings of that with a full house of in, invited people and that was just uh, first off it's a great film so beautifully beautifully done and animated and I just went, wow, that's so cool. So the prestige films are always great; they're just so beautiful. The the material, the trailers, the the presentation. And I think you know a lot of the a lot of the Fox shows. I I did some of the Simpsons. Um, I got to do pretty much all of all of the Fox shows uh, at one point or another, and uh, and I enjoyed those as well. So yeah, that that it's been a, a great uh, a great run in, in voiceover. Now I'm, I'm doing 60 Minutes, and um, and I like that too because that's a that's a great show, long long.
0: Uh, Well, we're just about to see you back in action in Salem, which is so exciting. And uh, honestly, it's just been incredible to hear about this career you've had on stage, on camera, voiceover work. Um, But, you know, I think to to me, you will always be Orpheus, George. Uh, You know, before we let you go, can you sum up what it means to you that this character that was on for six months, you know, in 1985, 86, uh, has really, I think, made such an impact on the fans, on the canvas, and yet you know, therefore here we are 25 years after your debut, and always looking forward to uh, whatever mischief you're gonna stir up.
1: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I, I I'm, I'm actually thrilled that, that you are know so much about it, both of you, and that you've been. I mean' obviously not just Orpheus and and days but the whole world of soaps and, and your knowledge and uh, and your passion for it I, that's uh, that's just really really great that it's fun to, to talk to you because you you know so much it's fun to hear your thoughts um, I am um, it, it, it's you know it's it, it's wonderful to be back because you know there's there's something circular about life and 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 the return to something um, I I, I love that. I love being with old friends. Um, some of the things we've talked about, revisiting a character, getting to bring new new insights into it. Um, and I, I love that the fans, I mean, obviously – a lot of people are going to, you know, be scared of Orpheus or dislike him because he's a bad guy and he does bad things to their heroes. I get that, but there's a lot of I get a lot of uh, respect from from fans who like, you know, what the character brings, the elements that the character brings to the show. I mean, every show has to have that, you know, that that person that comes in and, and shakes things up. Um, but uh, but I, I I I love that uh, when I see people, they they always respond oh, Orpheus, oh, you know, they, they have this kind of cognitive dissonance where they don't, I kind of want to talk to you, but you're kind of a scary bad person, you know? And I want to say hello, but, you know, you kind of, you know, are off-putting to me, your character, whatever. So I, I think that's kind of fun because that means it works. Um, there's, 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 this, there's a guy, and I don't know his name, so I think it's a guy who put together a thing, a, a, a compendium of scenes of Orpheus over the years, and he put a... Um a song i 'm a wanted man to it, and it 's such a cool thing I've, i i don 't know how I found it if somebody sent it to me online, you could probably find it but it's but he put that song to scenes of orpheus and it's it really works well and it, and uh so the fact that people respond that way um really uh i I really appreciate it i I appreciate that they that they appreciate Orpheus uh, for what he brings to the story and you you mentioned before that you know he has kids now and and a son and a daughter and there's aspects that they've fleshed out about orvis which i really 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 like because he's always talked about his family but now they're they're around and he gets to interact and uh and that makes it even more interesting for me he was is going to come back but um it's a bit of a tease you know so be 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 i mean teasing in coming back but he will come back even more is what i'm saying you know, with t- with time, he's Orpheus is always working something in the background. You don't know what it is, but you know he's always working some angle, and uh, that's always fun too. You know, so yeah. and and I and I and they're starting to have me interact with other characters, which I I really like meeting new actors and or not meeting them because I meet them on the set, but just actually getting to work with new actors. There's so many uh, I think wonderful actors on Days. And there's a lot of people that I'd like to um, connect with a, 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 on a professional level, you know, working scenes. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I that that happens, yeah.
0: We certainly look forward to seeing you back on camera. And we thank you so much for all your time today. You. Um, it was really great. And uh, look forward to seeing what's next for you and for Orpheus. Thank
1: you. It's a pleasure to speak with you, both of you. You're, you're really wonderful. You're really prepared and knowledgeable, and it uh, makes it exciting. One of the best interviews I've had. Thank you so much.